Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Well, Liz Jones. Yes, I'm Liz. You're Liz, I'm Nick. Well, Liz Jones, we don't have one Miranda Priestley moment this week. I've logged two Miranda Priestley How moments. was I Miranda? Twice, twice. We had the first phone call about like 10 o'clock at night where Liz phoned me up. She couldn't get an app to work. Ranting. And her precise words were, I've got an assistant and an accountant. Why am I booking my own trains? Pause. I am the talent. <laughs> So but these back. apps are all frustrating. You try and book your train on the NNER app and then it books you on the wrong one with a change at York. And I, you know I don't do changes at York. You don't. You don't. I don't do changes don't. because I had to change planes once to get to Las Vegas. I had to change planes in Los Angeles and they lost my knickers and I was going to interview David Cassidy. Well, you didn't need knickers then, did you? So I don't change <laughs> trains. And then I was trying to book parking and it said payment failed, payment failed. And you have to go in and change because your card's been updated and you have to change it. I don't have time to do that. No, but you could just ask me. And then I said, don't worry, I'll do it I tomorrow. I didn't ask you because I was filing a huge piece all day yesterday, 2,000 words. Then I had to go for a PCR test ahead of a shoot, which is completely stupid because I could catch it on the train tomorrow. And no, I don't get the point of that. It got to 10 o'clock when I thought, right, I've got to book my train, I've got to book my parking. And then the app failed, so you're my last resort. <laughs> oh, great. Story of my life. I'm always the last resort. So what was the second Miranda Priestley moment? The second one. Now, Liz has a subscription to Vogue. Because Vogue. Vogue. Because Vogue. Of, I'm going to start Madonna in it now. <laughs> and she missed two issues because of a, a system issue. I have to point out here, I missed the issue with Adele. You did. And what was the other issue? The one with the Maradikanu. And these are the first two issues of Vogue, I hope they're listening, in Hanover Square, that I've missed since September 1977. So it's a very big gap. It is. So I tried to organise getting Vogue. And to the send reason them out. it's the reason it missed was because the expiry date changed on the card and the card changed. It was. It, and they didn't tell us. So we can't exactly change the They're card. They're too they busy being posh and wearing rugby shirts and going out to lunch and going to their country houses to tell their most loyal reader from nineteen seventy seven your card's expiry date has changed. What's your postcode? Yeah, I know, I know. But I updated but, Liz. But, but, but I updated Liz this morning to say, sorry, haven't been able to find your folks. And she said the immortal words, but do they know who I am? <laughs> so those are your two moments this week of Miranda Priestley. I often say, do you know who I am? You say it a lot. You said it about BT. You say it about shopkeepers. You say, you say everyone, do you know who I am? I'm going to start using Now I'm your mini-me. 
I'm going to stop, but do they know who I am? The answer's no. <laughs> but after sort of 25 years of writing for the mail, it kind of has the opposite effect, really. They know who I am and they're going to be rude to me. <laughs> but at least they know who you are. <laughs> so how's your week been? Well, I had my PCR test. They were very nice to me, actually. They were all wearing masks and it was all sort of in this sort of bunker with porter cabins in the middle of nowhere. So I said to the first man in a mask, I said, it's like I'm going to be going on a spaceship because they were all in masks and funny suits and everything, hazmat suits and stuff. It was like I was going to go into space. <laughs> Rather than Tesco, which I did afterwards. I know, it all seems a little bit... Over the top, doesn't it, really? Do you know a woman, yeah, it just reminded me, I left Tesco and I was in a real hurry because I was having to file a piece. So I was in a real hurry. I haired round, got in the car, and I broke the habit of a lifetime and I just left my trolley because I didn't want a trolley. I only wanted a basket. I don't shop with trolleys. I don't shop with trolleys. It's too big and greedy and it's a monthly shop for families. No, I have a little basket with a copy of Vogue if they haven't sent it to me, a pomegranate and a bottle of fizzy water. The thing is, is Liz No, so this woman shouted at me. Yeah, but you only shot for one meal. But she shouted at... And I shot for you. She shouted at me as I was driving away, so I stopped and I thought she might be saying, you forgot to turn your lights on or or, or whatever. And she said, you forgot to put your trolley away. So I said, well, who are you, the trolley police? (laughs) (laughs) Did she work there or was she just a shopper? No, she was just a, a... Shopper. This is why I don't shop in Tesco. Oh dear. Oh dear. Did you give her the did you give her the stare? The death stare. I gave her the death stare. Oh god. Okay, so somewhere in a Tesco in a car park there is a woman. But she shouldn't have shouted turned to stone. I didn't want a trolley in the first place, but I couldn't find the baskets. Anyway, who cares? Who Who cares? cares? Get a life. There's there's a real sort of problem with perspective, isn't there, nowadays? If it offends you, she I'm just didn't moving. know. She didn't know what my emergency was that so I had to leave a trolley. You know, I'm incontinent. I might have wanted a wee. I might have had a, a sick dog. I might have been about to miss Coronation Street. Who, who knows what my emergency was? Oh God, was. I can't miss Coronation Street. I'd abandon like my mum in the car park for Coronation Street. No, no, no. Do you know what I've been reading this week? I don't. I've been reading on a very highbrow website called unheard unheard.com which has very highbrow writers that's why i've not heard of it i've been reading about myself have you <laughs> was it good what did i learn <laughs> i learned so the piece is by julie birchall who's a fantastically witty clever writer and we used to be friends and we fell out over something i can't remember what i think she tried to hook my husband up with someone that'll but, do it <laughs> but anyway i that'll should have been it. grateful actually rather than cross Oh, and she put me in a piece, this is a first, in the same piece, almost the same sentence as Truman Capote. You've done it. You're there. I've you've arrived. arrived. That's like me being in a fashion spread with Meghan Markle. It is. You've arrived. You're there. What did she say? It was a piece about literary spats. So I'm not that lowbrow, am I? <laughs> she says, there's no blood sport like a literary feud. Not food, feud. See, I can read. You can, you can. Words are a writer's field of expertise. So we can wield them like nunchucks, especially ex-lovers. I love nunchucks. And the next sentence, she says, 
I don't give a damn what Brad and Angelina are up to in their four-year divorce battle. But tell me that Liz Jones has written something nasty about her ex and I'm all over it. Love, Julie. I think we all are. We all like a, we all like a bit of the slinging between the ter- two of you. I think I go further, don't I, than Angelina? I think you go much further than most people. Much further. And she also writes about how difficult it is putting real people into your writing, whether it's a column, whether it's a memoir, or whether it's a novel. Because people think novelists make things up. They don't. Zadie Smith, White Teeth, was about black people and mixed-race people in North London. It wasn't about spaceships. No. You know, Hanif Qureshi's divorce was about his divorce. And who's slagging him off? Why does everyone just slag me off? But the funniest example about a real person being put into a novel was a novel by Melvin Bragg and he wrote the novel after a very, very prickly interview by the journalist Lynn Barber. She interviewed me for the Sunday Times magazine. Do you remember? I met her at one or which. Yes, I do, yes. I never read the piece because I don't... I'm not like Megan. I don't read my own press. But she did write a line in it that I've used on every book ever since and I'm going to have a badge made. The best comic invention since Alan Partridge, which I think was positive. You have used that a lot. You have. I I say it all the time. It's like award-winning. Funniest comic creation since Alan Partridge. So I've got the two badges. I think we've got that on the website even. Anyway, so he was interviewed. Melvin Bragg was interviewed by Lynn Barber and she was very prickly and he was very cross. So in his next novel, he invented a journalist called Martha Potter described thus a successful metropolitan journalist in her 40s aching for fame who is drunk fat and pleasures herself in the office toilets well that's not holding back is it no i'm sure <laughs> lynn was very cross <laughs> but anyway i do read this very highbrow website and i thought well maybe i could write for it maybe i've qualified after 40 years As you're so i emailed julie And I said to her, can I write a piece for Unheard? Who do I contact? And I said to her very briefly, it was an idea about fine dining. And it wasn't just about a restaurant review or whatever. It's because I've been watching Professional MasterChef because of Marcus. And it wasn't about the fetishization of ingredients. But what they don't do on the programme is visit the farm or the abattoir or fetishise over the care of the animal they're putting on their plate. Lobster the other day. Awful, horrible. So I asked Julie for help. She emailed her editor and said, oh, Liz would like to write for you. And do you know what his reply was? Go on. He said, it it doesn't matter if I'm not highbrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, oops. I used two exclamation marks there on my little notes for this podcast. (laughs) And I learnt earlier this week that Nikki Haslam has got a range of tea towels about what's common and using exclamation marks is common. So I've used two there, so I'm common. Okay. He's quite common. And then, so the man said, it doesn't matter if she's not Howbrow, but get her to email me. (gasps) Her! The cat's mother. That's right. If he had any class, he would have said... Ask Liz to email me, and, not her. And does he know you're award-winning? Does he know? So I'm refusing to write for them. I've, I've, I've cancelled them. Did you say, but does he know who I am? I should have done. <laughs> you should have done. So I've blocked him now, blocked him. 
mute block bye bye that is rude don't like that what have you been up to in it do i can i sing no I oh I don't care so much for something. Okay, stop, stop, stop. All I want for Christmas is you, baby. Right, okay, enough of that before everyone turns off. I am embracing Christmas this week. I'm there. It's time to roll out Michael Bublé. It's time to shove out Mariah Carey. Have you got your tree? I have got my tree. My, my, I make my mum put it up, though, because my mum does a lovely tree and I don't. So. She makes her mum take the decorations down as well. I don't want to do that. I, that's what mums are for. Mums cook for you when you're not feeling well. Mine's dead in a grave. No, well, my mum's still functioning, so she still comes and cooks me dinner when I'm not well. I used to do things for my mum, not the other way around. I do do things for my mum. I give her Charlie to look after. I do lots for my mum. Anyway, Nick it's loves that people time doing things for her. I think we all do, don't we? I do everything myself, even book train tickets. Well, you've got an assistant user, Jones, your own fault. So, I am binging Christmas films, I am eating mince pies, I I love it, I love Christmas, I love it, and it's just that time of year. Well, last Christmas you had a huge feast with your mum and various people, you didn't invite me. You were invited, and you turned your nose up and said you wanted to do it your own way, your own self, and eat your own nut roast. Yeah, but I couldn't bear the thought of just being in a small barn conversion with you and Martin bickering. Don't bicker. He gets drunk and goes to sleep. That's it. That's no, Christmas. You told me earlier this week you were up till five in the morning. Oh yeah, but not at Christmas. He just eats and, and sleeps. But anyway, Christmas films. There's all lots of new ones. There's a boy called Christmas. There's new Christmas films. There's the holiday. There's Love Actually. I love it. I love I've it. already watched the holiday again. I think I I've that watched film. that film probably a hundred times. The thing is, is what gets me is. All these Christmas films, they're all magical, aren't they? They're all big American houses and they've all got big, lovely families and they've all got... The thing that worried me about The Holiday was Kate Winslet was sort of... That is her name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She was sort of taking after me. She was working on a newspaper, wasn't she? She was. And then you saw her journey home from the newspaper. And when you work on a newspaper, you work about 14 hours a day. And I saw her then in the film on her journey home to her idyllic cottage that she then rents to Cameron Diaz. So she gets a tube, and then she gets a train, and then she walks on the embankment, and then you know, and she finally gets home. And the dog's in the house. So what's the dog been doing all day maybe on his she, own? Maybe she had a dog sitter that come. No, there was no one there. There was just the dog. But they might have just left. They might have just left. But this is my whole point. Everything's so idyllic, isn't it, in these films? They've got enough decorations and lights to kill the national power grid. They've got lovely big families. There's always a handsome love interest and lots of mistletoe. And they all end up in a big room at the end of the night, laughing, giggling, sharing presents. It's not reality. And I think those films ruin our Christmas because that's what I want. I don't want to be Nicola Bebb in The Dows. Do you know what I mean? I want to be in an American film in, in that lovely environment. I don't want to look at Martin snoring, necking beer. You know, I mean, it's just not fair. I think it just ruins our expectations. Why are you excited about Christmas then? Because I want it to be like that. Yeah, but it never is. I want it to be like that. I tell you, one of my favourite Christmas films is The Family Stone with Sarah Jessica Parker. 
think I've seen Absolutely it years Absolutely fantastic. Claire Danes is in it. Yeah, I've seen And the ago. mum is played by Diane Keaton. Oh, I love Diane Keaton. And it's one of my favourite films. No, the Family Stone. If you want to watch a great film, watch that. Yeah. So I immerse myself in that because I want to pretend I'm going to have a lovely Christmas. But did you hit read yesterday that Colleen Nolan is is sent spending? Colleen Nolan. Colleen Nolan. Not Colin Nolan. Colleen. Colleen. It's me accent. She hasn't changed her sex. It's me accent. You know what I mean. Um, is spending Christmas with her ex-husband and her new boyfriend. Could be a bit crowded. I... I don't get that. I mean, I'm all power to her that she's able to still have a good Why friendship. Why is she doing it? I, I don't know. They all get on very well. But I don't... I, I've got two types of ex. I've got the ones that I still have got a little thing for and I still wish I was with. And I've got the ones that I want to stab through the heart and never want to see again. There's no in-between. So I don't want to spend time with exes because I'm either going to be grieving for them because I want them back... Or I'm going to be wanting to kill him. I don't understand it. You also don't want your ex to see you as you are now, do you, Nick? Well, no, no, no. Photoshop, no. <laughs> it seems you were using a filter the other day. It would be a shot, wouldn't it, when they oh, turned up? Oh, you know, honestly, that filter's never coming off my phone. Can you imagine if I had my three and a half exes in, in the same room at Christmas? I'm sorry, you keep saying three and a half, but there seem to be ever such a lot more. When it, you keep digging them up for the podcast. Only three and a half were penetrative, Tiv. Now, there's always a line that you shouldn't cross, and you just did that. You just did that. It's, I think good journalism, highbrow journalism, is about pushing boundaries and saying the uncomfortable, and which you... often it was quite uncomfortable, because I'm obviously quite postmenopausal and dry. Lovely. I've now got visions in my head that I really didn't need, and I'm, I'm sure everyone else feels the same. <laughs> on because you've well, traumatised me. funnily enough, we have a bit of a theme going in this podcast, whereas normally it's quite random. We are random though, aren't we? Well, you we? are. I'm, well, I am. The heading on my column this Sunday, in which I dream of a normal Christmas. But we don't want normal, we want one of them American No, normal Christmas. means all, you know, families and food yeah. and quality street i think i'm going to spend it in new york next year because they always look like they have a fantastic time in new york that's my so my column starts with i've just had an email from riverford reminding me to book my organic christmas food delivery i click boxes vegan mince pies though i hate mince pies a case of champagne though i'm not allowed to drink i start to imagine what christmas must be like if you're normal you're probably pushing Tootsie trolleys. That's a theme, isn't it? Trolley. See? Is that the new word of the week? Trolley gate. Trolley, trolley gate. <laughs> We've you're probably to trolley. You're probably pushing two trolleys around Tesco, sweating. I just typed swearing by mistake, but you're probably doing that too. You've ordered a giant tree. You've probably made a cake. I'm like Carrie Bradshaw. I use my oven to store shoes. I click on the words organic veg box. Although I know the teeny parsnips and carrots will, like me, go unused and shrivel up. Well, you ain't been that unused lately, as you've told us. I've been wondering why I'm not married to someone like the writer Paul Morley. See, he's going to get a restraining order now, isn't he? Oh, another one. He's the right age. We have our love of music in common. Or Liam Neeson. I've kept him in mansions the amount of times I've had his films. <laughs> or a rich. Why me. don't I have a rich man with a big house? Why don't I? 
Well, I can see why you don't, but why don't I? Well, why don't you see why I don't? I'm, I can be the little bit of rough, you know, that they rescue, like pretty woman. Oh, not so pretty. And I was thinking all of this because this is the peg coming. Go this on. is the newspaper peg coming okay, that you peg. hang a story on. Why did I wind up married to a man who has just written a piece in a newspaper, The Sun, not highbrow, not highbrow, about how awful it is to date weight-obsessed women? Bless him. It has the lines, sometimes these women want me to exercise with them, which didn't help because I've generally been fitter than them, so being outdone in yoga only made them more frustrated. And he had another line. Doesn't look very fit. He had another line. I was always able to get dates even when I was chunky. Why was that? I mean, I've always had, I've always not had a problem getting men fat or thin, but... He seems to be, like, quite a, a mean person, so I don't get it. I'll tell you the introduction to the piece. It noted dryly, the writer of this piece is currently single. <laughs> Isn't it lovely when you, find, when you read a piece decades later that says, the man who spurned you because he wanted children and then some blonde tart from New York mm. is currently single. You're like, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I sort of want all my exes to be single because... Or dead. I, yeah, I don't want them. I don't want them, but I don't want them to want someone else. But seriously, Nick, what was I thinking? I don't know. Why did I settle for someone so obviously not good enough for me? Why did I date down? He cannot be better at yoga than anyone. He's like an expensive mattress. He doesn't fold. And you should know. Then I think if I'd married a man good enough for me, I would probably have had children instead of border collies, which makes me wonder, how do women rustle up a meal every night? I'd have made them fend for the set themselves. There's nothing in my fridge, Pellegrino and a pomegranate. Think of the scribbles on walls, the screaming. How would you fit in three seasons of succession, the new Sally Rooney, a job, sex, oily baths and sleep? I was once very close to a mum, one child and no job. Nicola, you know who that was. I do, I do. And she had never seen a James Bond film and she didn't know who Hillary Clinton was. Not saying nothing. I'm not saying a word. Typical mum, though, isn't it, that? Well, do you know, I had a friend, though, that she had three children, and she was, like, super mum. All her kids were, like, amazing. She Did she know who Hillary Clinton was? She did. Don't she was... contradict my thesis. No, she was amazing, though. Must be tiring, though. I don't know. She had this sort of, like... She was a natural mum, if you know what I mean. She no, but it's still tiring, isn't it? it, to read encyclopedias she ran, and stuff. She ran a business. She was amazing. So I think you've got both ends of the scale. Anyway, after this piece in The Sun came out about him not being like a mattress and being better at yoga than women um, and being single, I texted my ex to ask why he hadn't commented on my husband's journalism. Journalism in inverted commas. <laughs> I've not read it, he said. You sound upset. Can you not see the irony? <gasps> it's on very dangerous ground. Very. No, I can't, actually. My ex-husband wrote that I'm a sexual predator. It's not true. But I must be doing something wrong, given all this backlash. Every person who's ever been close to me, and there's an asterisk there, apart from my friend Sue Needleman, who always wrestles me when the little man comes at the end of the meal with his little machine, she wrestles me to the ground. So apart from Sue Needleman. We love Sue. Is now at war or has cut ties. My gay best friend. 
the woman who gave a reading at my wedding, whom I gifted an Azadine Elias skirt in petrol blue as, it's way too big for me. See, I can be bitchy. <laughs> you get the digging there, didn't you? My ex-husband, my sister. The only person from my past, I don't include you, Nicola, because you're not from my past, you're in my presence. Okay. Right? The only person from my past, and this is going to tell you a lot about me and her, is my London cleaner, H, who cleaned for me for about 13 years. Oh, we love H. She sent me a text the other day saying that I'm an angel. So I replied to that and I said, yes, I am. (laughs) Because you're full of talent. I sent her my ex-husband's piece in the sun. And she said, oh, he isn't safe. He's not safe, Lizzie, he's not safe, because she's very East End. After his piece came out that accused me of being Harvey Weinstein, she phoned him up. That's how loyal my ex-cleaner is. She phoned him up to tell him off. Good on her. She did not say, can you not see the irony? Did she? Cleaners know the bones of you better than anyone. And that's Better, surely, than the man with whom you shared your vagina, dry or not. <laughs> that's award-winning, isn't it? <laughs> it's cringy. Let's go back in the cringe section. I introduced the cringe section last week. That goes in the file. You can read this week's diary in full Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want to know what the archive is, Nick, from my extensive archive? Does it avoid dry vaginas? No. Oh, God. It's not a health piece. (laughs) Because the reason this is topical is I've been watching all six hours of Get Back on the Disney Channel about the Beatles, and I'm in love with them all over again. And what is interesting is the dynamic of the women attached to the Beatles. So there's Mrs. Ringo Starr comes in. You can see she's slightly in awe of everyone. Yoko Ono is so annoying, I'd have punched her. She's knitting or doing her bills or writing a shopping list. But they're all very tolerant of her. They're all incredibly polite. And then in comes Linda McCartney, who obviously you know that I'm now basing myself on, aren't I? Yes, yes, you are. Yeah, it's the more minimal me with the Wellingtons and less makeup. So Linda McCartney comes in. She's so beautiful. She's still called Linda Eastman then. And she's very tactile with Paul. You can see they hold hands and they just absolutely love each other. But the one person you don't see is Patty Boyd who was married to George Harrison, and and apparently she didn't go because George said, oh, no, it'd be boring, don't come along. So this brings me to my interview with Patty Boyd when her memoir came out in August 2007. And it's really what it's like to go out with a famous person, so it's a warning to to you all. (laughs) Yeah, it's not something I've experienced, I have to say. And I start the piece by saying all the wonderful things that happened to her that were wonderful about going out with the Beatle. She went to the cinema with Elvis. Oh, I love Elvis. She hung out with Frank Sinatra. I love... Unique Frank Sinatra's Christmas album. Oh, Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that one. We agree on something. Watching Princess Margaret being handed a joint, being model scouted and photographed by David Bailey. See, I'd have liked that. Yeah. 
falling in love with the Beatles, falling in love with Eric Clapton, being serenaded with Wonderful Tonight, the song he wrote while watching her get ready for a party. Well, that's that's Most men just say, hurry up, don't they? Why do you need false eyelashes? And he wrote Wonderful Tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair, is it? I feel like I'm lacking something. Her diary was full of entries like, well, mine isn't, took George home to meet family in E-type Jag. Went to Ireland with John and Cynthia. See, I never did that. No. But there's so much that is excruciating in her life story. And at the end of the interview and at the end of the book, it sort of turned out she might have been happier had she not met George Harrison on the set of A Hard Day's Night because she got caught up in all the drugs. I mean, she didn't take them, but they did. And the mansions and the men who behaved like little boys. And when I said to her, they were like little boys, she shouted. They should have been wearing short grey trousers. <laughs> it's very difficult to go out with a famous person, isn't it? You know, like when I went to stay at the beautiful hotel in Ramsgate and I was having dinner with my then boyfriend and a woman came up and interrupted us and dinner. He just went up to the room in a half. I, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I remember when we went out to dinner once and you said to someone come and talk to you, you said, oh, this is Nick, and they just looked at me and turned around and carried on talking to you. I don't care. Why, why care? It's ridiculous. But you know, I had a, a car crash on Scotch Corner the other weekend. Yeah. So did. I had the dogs in the car and I stopped the car and the stupid woman had gone into me and she got out of her car, opened my car door almost on the A1. I said, I've got dogs in the car. Don't open my car. So she shut Just it. Don't do and it And she anyway. said, oh, she said, oh, is that mini puppy? <laughs> so I can't even have a car crash. No, but it might, <laughs> but whose fault was it? Because it might have made her more sympathetic. No, it was her fault. But oh, she, right, we, I haven't heard from her since, so we won't worry about that. <laughs> but anyway, Patty and I have a lot in common, not the modelling career, not the wonderful tonight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because her memoir is far from flattering, I told her about Eric Clapton, who was still very much yeah, alive yeah. and is still very much alive. Is he? I'm not worried about him reading it, she said. Should I be? And she looked very worried. Well, if you write a memoir and it's the truth, then if you've behaved People badly... People still get upset, though, yeah, don't they? But if you've behaved badly and you're being called out on it or it's being recorded publicly, you have to, you have to suck it up. But I sort of wanted to find out what made her the most desired woman in the world because all these men wanted her and wrote songs about her. Yeah. She must have been quite moist. Oh, no, you went there. <laughs> but the thing is, she was relentlessly pursued and then cruelly cast aside. And she went off with Eric Clapton, mainly because George Harrison was just so moody and grumpy. That's the thing about famous people, isn't it? You, if they can keep their feet on the ground and stay grounded and nice, that, 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 that's incredible because it's got to turn your head, doesn't it? People sort of kowtow into you or the money. It's going to turn your head and they have so much opportunity and so many But even, she didn't even feel... What was interesting, she didn't even feel validated by the fact she's had three amazing songs, three of the greatest love songs ever written, written about her. Wonderful Tonight... Layla, and she inspired George to write the Beatles something. Shall I sing it? No, no, that's a no from me. But she's never felt remotely lovable. But you can write songs about someone, you can say you love no, them. No, but why does she not feel lovable when they've written something about her? Because 
it's how you're treated, isn't it? Words don't matter if someone doesn't treat you They still you with went respect. after her, though. I mean, no one's ever gone after me, really. Yeah, but if someone's going after you because of the way you look or something, rather than who you are, it still doesn't make you feel valuable. It just makes you feel like a commodity or a piece of meat. It's just not Well, frequently nice. in her book, she berated herself for not being more patient with Joel Charles and more patient with Eric Clapton. And I suggested the men she married were so infantile they shoved her into a mummy role. I don't want to be a man's no, mummy. No, I don't. But you are, I though, don't. Nick. You are. You yeah, are a man's mummy. I do not like it. I want a man that's... A, your boyfriend is like your me. giant toddler, except you didn't squeeze him out from between your legs. No. Well, you might have done, no, but not, not no, that No, don't birth. go there. Don't go there. <laughs> and in the end, having spoken to her, and much as I love George and much as I love his songs, it turns out he spent most of his time smoking marijuana, meditating or playing his guitar. That can be annoying, can't it, if they don't yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose considering that was his job, you kind of have to let him off of the playing the guitar stuff. Eric cheated on Patty almost before the ink dried on their wedding certificate. See, I don't like cheaters. No, I don't. I don't. I said to her, the sex can't have been great either, could it, Patty? Because Eric was a drug addict, then an alcoholic. Do you see, I am the Lynn Barber of the next generation. <laughs> oh, indeed. Very underused. <laughs> Not lately. But she would only say tactfully, it could be so annoying. Oh, dear. When Patty and George got married on the 21st of January 1966, she was 21, he was 22, she wore a Mary Quant dress and a fur coat. Oh, oh. oh. Yeah, but they didn't realise oh, it was bad. I know, it still makes my skin crawl. But I would say that Patty, even though you might want to hate her because she was a model and she was married to George Harrison and, she was, and she's got all these songs and everything and she was in a Smith's Crisps ad... You probably don't remember that because you're too young. I do. Young. You had a little sachet of salt. That you I like had, my yeah. sachet of salt. No, you had a little... I remember that. I think the blue sachet of salt in a packet of Smith's Crisps <laughs> was the closest I ever got to cooking. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you can read this week's diary in full in Man on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want to know what the readers are saying? Oh, are they still with us? They are still with us. I, 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 I've got a feeling we're gonna, they're going to be dropping like flies with your bloody singing. I could have done more. No, they're going to make them drop like flies. Something <laughs> in the way she moves. You know, Christmas songs only, Jones. Attracts me like no other lover. Christmas songs only. How can you not like the Beatles, you Philistine fetus? <laughs> I'll be honest, at my age, mate, being called a fetus is a bonus, not an insult, so you crack on. Right, we have Alison. Alison. Alison, and poor Alison has been really ill with COVID. And she says now she's in a lucid place. She's purchased your book to aid her on the road of recovery. So I, I thought I'd read this one out because she's asking, are the books still signed as she's purchased from the publisher? So we've had a few people asking that. So, yes, if you go to Lizzie's website... And you buy the book there, you'll get the book signed and you can email And my us. new record. Uh, no, not her new record, but you will get an extract from her new novel, which is a dirty thriller. Uh, as you can imagine from this podcast, there's a lot of details. She says, can I also say that she's enjoyed your column over the years. As a cat lover herself and single most of it, it's buoyed her along. 
So Aww. hopefully, more Alison's, than it's done for me. Hopefully, Alison's. Well, there's always something cathartic about someone else's misery, isn't yeah. there? So uh, it's why we watch Coronation Street and Emmerdale. Looking at other people suffer makes us, makes us feel better. I know we're being more inclusive these days and we have all more different characters with no legs and stuff. I wish Coronation Street would have an incontinent postmenopausal woman. We can apply for the job. We can, we, we can say that's our new, our, our new diversion. Right, we also have John. Hello, he John. Says, Hello, John. It's like being radio DJs, it is, isn't it? It is. Da, 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 Except for the music da. on the radio you can listen to without wanting to kill yourself. <laughs> She's, he says, I said she says, he says, Hello, Liz, I've not read the diary for some time as it was too sad. And I it's realized, not a diary, it's a column. But you call it Liz Jones' diary. I don't, diary. I no, don't. but it's called, you can't complain about someone calling it a diary when it says it's at not the a diary, top it's of a the column. I'm page, a columnist, I'm not a diary, I'm a columnist. It's at the top of the page, Liz what Jones' diary. What does my diary. award say? My award says, oh, columnist of the year, like, popular. <laughs> it does. That was before you started singing on the bloody podcast. Right. He says, it was too sad and I realised I'm a little in love with a photo and the words you write. A fantasy figure. See your bloody catnip again. Only because it's been airbrushed. Your bloody... Okay, I'm going to start demanding. I want a photo shoot. I want to be really, really airbrushed so I can be catnip. I feel very underdone here. Um, He says, I've not even Googled you until just now. Yeah, don't Google me. It'll just all go to pieces. Too late. Just now is Googled you. And I think I understand the nothing reference to your birthday. So very happy belated birthday, Liz. Far too late. (laughs) It's not his fault. He didn't know. Now I know it, he won't forget it, and although he's not on Twitter and he doesn't know your personal contact email, so I will have to rely on lovely Nicola to pass it on. The diary still seems sad and my heart goes out to you. Love and kindness thoughts to you, John. Oh, we love John. John. Oh, no, he's dead, isn't he? I was thinking of the Beatles. No, no, that ship has sailed. That's not that John, no. I didn't, I'd never fancied John Lennon that much. I thought he was a bit too prickly. But in the documentary, we're going back to get back, and I'm going to watch it again. He's very good-natured. I thought he'd be more grumpy. Why did you think he was grumpy? Because that's his persona, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've never looked at the Beatles. Right, then we've got Julie. Julie's very helpfully stalking on your behalf. And she says, if you don't know the film Star's Address, it's on Company's House. She's like the woman in Australia who offered to go and find yeah. Nigel. She said, I'll go and sit outside his car in Sydney and see what he's doing. So not only are you stalking people, you're breeding readers that stalk for you. Thank you. Send me his address and I'll go and sit outside. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.